Hello, and welcome to the FBC Victoria podcast. Today's sermon was recorded live on Sunday, June 4th, 2023, by Pastor Ben Rosenberger. Being a pastor sometimes, the hardest thing is uh, I know more than most about what's going on from cancer to rehabs to surgeries to um, family issues, challenges. Um, There's so many things. So we are filled with lots of challenges as a church, as we are as a country, as we are as a people. Let me say this to you, because I want to say these things, I want to pray, and we're going to get into Malachi. One of the things I would say to you is be reminded of this. You need God's presence more than you need something to go away or to be fixed. We need God's presence. So I'll always accept the song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. It starts with saying, God, you're welcome here. And it starts with us getting what we really need, which is God's presence, no matter what the challenge is. And then secondly, you don't have to ever go on nothing alone, and you shouldn't. The whole point of being a body of Christ is we are a body, and we get to be there and be there for you. And uh, that is something that I feel so sad for people who don't have friends who have a higher authority that they trust in. That, that dictates who we're supposed to be so that even in the bad days, we're looking at the same Bible. The Bible's inspiring us. The Holy Spirit is inspiring us to be there and love and, and whatever the situation is, right? So I'm glad you're here. It's worth your time to find a body of believers that you feel you can worship with. If that is here, that is awesome. Get busy finding that place because we need the body. That's our Mandate by God is to be part of a body. How can you celebrate and utilize the gifts God's given you spiritually if you're not part of a group of people to where God can use you? You just can't. God wants to use us to be a body. Amen? Let me pray. We are in Malachi, and we are going to keep going in the story of Malachi, and let me pray, and we'll go from there. God, thank you for your word. In a time like today with so much turmoil in the world, so much turmoil within in terms of challenges that we can't control, health, loved ones that are struggled, breakdowns of certain things. God, I pray right now that your spirit would fill our souls, and even if we can't handle tomorrow, even if we can't handle last week, and we walked in with all that stuff, God, I pray that for right now, we're able to separate from that and just hear your word, that your spirit might inspire us to closely connect with you in such a way uh, that, God, whatever we're going through, you, we are inviting that presence and that, that help that comes from the helper. And we want to look at your word, even a challenging book like Malachi, and we want your truth to help wrap our minds around what you say and your story and who we are and where we need to be. We love you. Be in this moment. Speak to each of us individually, not just as a church, but be with us individually, that we might apply your word where you are pointing for us that we need to, we need to apply. We love you. Amen. Malachi chapter one, verses six. We're going to try to get through chapter two through nine, and we'll see how that goes. So the last two weeks, I spent two whole weeks trying to say one thing. You are loved. That's what God says. I didn't say it. God said it. I love you. And then everything in their instinct of Israel was, how have you loved us? And God's like, your entire history is because I love you. 
Everything about your history, literally my hands were part of, and you didn't do it, I did it. And I, so you are favored. Some people get offended by that. I don't know why. You're favored. God loves you. If you are a child of God and the Holy Spirit resides in you, you are favored. God loves you, and he's done a work in your heart. And as I can't speak for you, I speak for me. I see God's hands all over my life, my entire life. And I don't know what, I don't, I did never, I never did anything to deserve any of this. God just loves me, and I don't know why. But he loves me, and I feel his love. I sense his love. When I'm in this room, and I'm about to come up here and preach, when I'm in conversations with some of you, I feel God's love. I feel God's love oozing from people that love God. I feel God's love when I worship him. I feel God's when I study his word. I feel God when I preach. I feel God before I come up here. I know God loves me, and I don't know why, but I accept it. And I want others to know his love for them because they've got a lot of bad things that have happened to them, a lot of bad people, a lot of bad things in their head, a lot of bad people saying a lot of bad things to them. And I want them to know that's not what God thinks of you, right? So we're going to get into Malachi, and God is going to present some things that are problematic in the relationship between God and Israel. There's a four to 500 to 600 year gap between this book and the New Testament. So it doesn't seem like it got cleared up, right? But he's going to point it out. And you all should feel good about this. He starts with the priests. My problem is you people that I've elected to come and lead, and you're not leading. You're more worried about what everybody else thinks and what they want to hear versus honoring me. Today is all about what is our job here? What are we supposed to do? I am no different than you. God has called me to pastor. But in a lot of ways, I'm not different than you. Our job is to honor him in the roles he's given us. That's what we're supposed to do. Study God's word. What is God saying for us? And try our best to honor him and thank God that we know a God of grace and mercy. When we fall down, just like Peter did, Jesus came and picked him right back up and keep going. Amen? Well, we're reading about some fall down. And we don't have to stay there. Good news, we don't have to stay there. You individually don't have to stay there. So here we go. Verse 6. Verse 6 is the hardest. A son honors his father, a servant his master. I then, I am a father, where is my honor? Right? Remember the conversation that I love you. Then the conversation from Israel to them is, you don't love us. And God's like, you don't even exist without me. And then God says, right? You honor your father. If you are a master or you are a boss, you expect the servant to honor you. And yet you know that I am the giver of all life, the builder of all galaxies. You are, nothing is apart from me. And there's no honor. Why is there no honor? That's what God's saying, folks. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name? But you say, how have we despise your name. I'm going to pause one time to say one thing. There's a phrase called the Lord of hosts. We're going to talk about what that means. Do you know that 50% of that phrase is found in this one little book, Malachi, in the entire Bible? It's literally the theme of Malachi. People have a lot of thoughts of what Malachi's book is about. It's God reminding you, I am the Lord of hosts. I have legions of armies of angels that obey my very word. They do whatever I say. That's who I am. 
And God's having to remind us. You honor your father, right? You as servants, you honor your master, right? I'm God. Where's my honor? Right? And God can send these legions down and be like, we're done. That's not what he's doing. He's trying to put in the right perspective the relationship we should have with God. You think your boss is scary? You think whatever the situation is that's most fearful in your mind right now is scary? You ought to honor God. We should honor God. We should have that healthy respect in all of who God is. If you believe in him, you don't believe in him, hey, ignore me. You believe in him? There needs to be a healthy respect of God. Your country is in the situation that it's in because of this. Many of your families are, are in the situation that they're in because of this. We like to rely on the cross, and that's awesome. But the bigger issue is honor God. Thank you for the cross that tells me about your mercy and grace. Honor God with your life. Amen? All right. I'm just telling you, verse 6 is the hardest. <laughs> verse 7. By offering polluted food upon my altar, but you say, how have we polluted you? But you say, sorry, but how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame and sick, is that not evil? Present that to, to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? What did he just say? You're scared of your governor, right? You're going to respect your governor, right? Would you bring this to him? Right? And this, he's talking to priests. You're leading the people to honor me this way. And you're the one I'm supposed to be trusting in to lead. Would you do that to your governor? No. Why do you treat me with such disregard? That's God's conversation. Isn't it beautiful that God's even having this conversation? Doesn't that say something about God? <laughs> right? Oh, I love God. <laughs> Verse 9. And now entreat the favor of God that, that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you? Says the Lord of hosts. Lord of hosts, pick up on that. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the door that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. Lord of hosts. And I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to the setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. You're my special people. You're my favorite people. I'm going to be honored among everyone. Abraham's coming. All people, all nations. Which Revelation says, all tongues, all tribes, all nations. That's heaven. In Israel, I'm having a private conversation with my favored people. I will be honored among all people. It's happening. Look how you treat me. And you're my favorite, special. Right? That's what God's saying. I will be honored. Lord of hosts, I don't need any of you. Because I've got legions 
legions beyond legions of, of, of angels that do my very bidding and will without any of this disrespect. Because I'm the Lord of hosts. Right? Okay, just take that in. I, I'm just telling you what I went through all this week reading this. Take it in. Take the full weight of it. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and, the fr- and its fruits, that is, its food, may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is. And you s- snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has, ta- has been taken by violence or, or is lame or sick. And-, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept it from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. All right, this is just real talk. God's just being honest. Here we go. Let's go chapter 2. And now, O priest, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Take that in. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. I preached Ezekiel 16 last week and, you know, here we are. Verse 4, so shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in all of my name, right? The relationship that started this covenant with me and Levi, how this started, it was good. Right now, the offspring of what was covenanted is not good. This is not right. True instruction, verse 6, he says, was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. He made his life as a priest not to please everyone. He tried to do what was right to honor God. That was his value. That was his job. That was his mission. That's what God called him to do. That's what his purpose was. I'm a pastor. I'm not always supposed to be liked by everybody. I'm supposed to try my best, as best as I can, to honor God. That's the mission. Doesn't mean I live to it, but that's the calling. And he's saying this to them. So you're hearing God's heart to the priests about what, what this whole thing was set up, what, what the relationship was, what the relationship should be. And he's having that conversation. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge and people should seek instruction from his mouth for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Pastors never say this, but if you study the Bible, there should be respect for your pastor. I've never said it in a pulpit any time in my career, but I will say it because right now God's saying it. I'm supposed to represent him and what I say is supposed to be God's word. I have no authority outside of God's word. I preach God's word, I defend God's word, I teach God's word, I try to help us live by God's word, I gotta fight that battle personally, 
And I have the weight of, I'm going to stand before God one day because of this position. And that's scary. Trust me, you're not scary. Lord of hosts, it's scary. Right? But there should be a, a healthy understanding of the position I'm in. Don't make my life harder. When you're putting me in three different categories and trying to figure out the politics, my job is to him, not this dumb world stuff. Right? It's what does God's word say? How best can God's word guide whatever we're talking about or dealing with? Because that's who my allegiance is. And he can take me anytime he chooses. But I, I love hearing God speak honest here. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instructions. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I will make you despised and abased before all the people. And as much as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. Oh my gosh. This should be in every seminary. Do you want to be a pastor? Which is actually my conversation when people say, I want to be in ministry. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. You want it? You should get out. Because no pastor that actually is good at his job wants the job. But I feel obligated to do what God called me to. Folks, what I want to say to you is this. This is, he starts where he should. We have a good God. Starts with those who he's instructed to be leaders. God starts where the blame begins. The ministers, the pastors. And what does he say, right? So I will make you despised and abased. Did I tell you that there's a good long hundred years of gap between this book and the New Testament? And the next step is God himself coming on the earth to be the great priest, right? We went nowhere with the priest system. They failed. They never succeeded. None of us can look at them and say, hey, God, we can do this on our own. We can keep the commandments. We'll get it right. No, we didn't. We never did. We never can. We never could. We had human leaders. God even had a supernatural Samson, and he's one of the worst, right? He has a birth almost like John that's supernatural. He had supernatural strength. And what did that show us? Still, the problem is sin. He had all that and it made him worse. Amen? Something about God's grace and his goodness makes us worse. Something about prosperity makes us worse. And let me just boil this down as simple as I can. We don't want to honor God. We find every excuse to make it about something else other than we don't want to honor God. And that's what we're called to. Honor God. So, let's break this down. The question is, in what way have we despised your name? Now I'm in your notes. God says, you despise me and defile my table. Israel says, how are we despising you? God responds by focuses on the people and, to, and the priests too. God responds, you are bringing shameful, lame offerings of these sick, sick, blemished animals with the mindset, it's good enough. How many of us have a mindset of it's good enough? Honor God should start with what is God owed? And let me tell you something, okay? I need to start here. Nothing you have is yours. You will leave from here with nothing. You came into this earth with nothing. Everything you have is a gift of God. Every person who passes away was God's. A gift from God that God gave you, that you praise him over. 
We are owed nothing. If we got what we deserve, the Bible says it's hell. If you don't like that, fine, deal with God. But that's what it, that's the truth. You're not owed heaven. You're not owed your next breath. You're not owed that next job. You're not owed that child. You're not owed anything. Everything you have is because God has blessed you, church. Honor him. Honor him. It's hard. I'm not speaking as one that's not taking this fully in. I, I get it. It's hard. But man, we, gotta, we need to honor God. And that's what this conversation, they're just bringing what's good enough to get through it as if God doesn't know your hearts and your intentions. Who are you fooling? Who are you fooling? We want everyone to think something that's not true. Stop worrying about everybody else. Focus on the one that matters. God, he knows. Folks, Malachi says to you, and he's the Lord of hosts. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need your offerings. This whole thing is he says, I hate your offerings. Stop giving them. Stop giving. It's good enough. If you don't want to give it, don't give it. I don't need it. Stop acting like you're doing me something. I'm God. I have all the wealth of all things. I don't need your money. It's the opposite relationship. You need God. He does not need you. You need joy. He is perfectly joyous right now. He is perfectly peaceful. You are not. You're not sure what's coming around the corner. God knows. Just like he knew you in the womb, he knew every hair on your head. He knew it then. He knows it now. Amen? Let's get a right perspective. That's what this is about. It's good enough. God says, might as well not do it. It should come from a place of honor. Whatever we do, whatever gift we have to bring, whether however we serve, whomever we serve, needs to come from a place of honoring God, and God knows all the motivations of everybody. There's no point in trying to trick other, other people. We, we do it, but it doesn't matter. God knows. Amen? Who are you trying to please? Stop trying to please people. They will disappoint you, stab you in the back the second, the second they see you struggling. Honor God. Do everything you do for God out of gratitude. Thank you, God. Thank you for what you've given me. And I want to honor you is what I want to do with my life in every aspect. We fail a lot, but that's the beauty of the cross and who God's story, the full story of God is even in this hard sermon, we know the other elements of who God is. For the crown joy of all eternity, God gets to say, I'm a merciful God. Why? Because nobody deserves heaven. And he died on the cross to make sure that you have an opportunity, every one of you, to be in heaven. Not because of what you did, because of what he did. And that will be praised for eternity, whether you want to be there or not. Amen? So he's got mercy established. And right now, we're talking about honoring God. And he's starting with the priests, me. Everything I'm saying to you, trust me, I'm talking to me. I'm talking to me. I'm talking to you, but I'm talking to me. Okay? All right. Showing that they do not value or honor their God, the priests tolerated and participated in these corrupt forms of worship. That's the problem. Trying to appease man, doing what man tells you to do, will cause corruption in the church, cause corruption in a religious organization, 
And those people will be pleased, but you have dishonored God when God told you, hey, you see the problems? Deal with the problems, not try to appease the people. I want to be real spoken. I've only been here a year as a pastor. I honor God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to look at scripture, my decisions, or whatever my thoughts are. Hey, ultimately, there's not a lot of things that I'm ultimately in control of in this church. I'm not. I'm not over budget. I'm not over finances. I'm not over even personnel has a personnel committee. Even building. It's not my building. There's There's a committee for that. But I'm over teaching. I'm over reconciling relationships. And guess what? We're all going to live by this. We're going to strive to make this happen. That's what we're going to do. I'm not picking a side. I'm picking this. That's what I'm going to do. Okay? I'm eight years into being the head pastor. It's hard. This is what I'm going to do. So I just want you to know that. Just know that right now. That's how I feel about it. But bottom line, from top to bottom, God's people have proven faithless. So as I said, Malachi 1.6 is... If you walk away from anything in this sermon, it's Malachi 1.6. A son honors his father, a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? That is what we're discussing I could look at so many other places in Scripture that immediately flooded into my mind when I looked at that verse. I didn't even get past six before all this other Scripture that's been in my heart since I was a young man trying to honor God, wanting to love God, wanting to be who God has called me to be as a Christian. And when God called me to be a pastor, I knew immediately, why am I doing this? Why would I choose this? If it's not for honoring God, I don't want to be a pastor. Trust me, it doesn't pay enough. The stress is not good enough. My, my, my last church, I, my, my, church, my home church, there was a pastor that came from an amazing mega church. He lasted two years before he had a 90% clog, clog and all his, all, all, uh, all, sorry, uh, you know what I'm saying. And all his, yeah, those things. In <laughs> the widow, right? The widow one. So he was, he's like, if you don't change everything in your life, you are dead in a month. Right? Got the dream job, mega church. But he couldn't take it. I, I, I live knowing that. That being said, what I'm saying to you is everything has got to be for fearing God. That's what our focus is. That's our purpose. My purpose, our purpose as a young man, I knew that. As a pastor, I know that. And what does scripture teach about this? Proverbs 1 7 the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instructions. You're a fool. If you don't acknowledge God's word and his wisdom, what's the, what's the beginning of wisdom? God's word. What does he say? How do you begin that? Fear him. Fear him. And I don't mean tremble and say, God hates me. That's not what I'm saying. Oh, when I see an ocean, when I see a mountain, when I am in a plane and I'm looking down, I'm like, God, you're awesome. When I learn about science and trillions of galaxies and I learn new things about how amazing this world is, the design of the great designer, I find myself in awe. And that's what I mean by fear. I look at this and I'm like, man, you are awesome, God. Where does wisdom start? Honor God. Fear him. Have, have, if you're going to have a healthy reverence of anything, have it with God. That is the beginning of a wisdom. If you choose not to, you're a fool. And sometimes we have a fear of all these other things. And the last thing we fear is God. 
Because we're like, he died on the cross. He loves me. He does. He died on the cross. He loves you. And he tells you, the beginning of wisdom is fear me. His conversation in Malachi, fear me, honor me. You honor your master. You honor your father. You honor all these other things. Why am I not number one? And that seems quite foolish if you're honest. God is right. It's quite honestly foolish to fear all these other things and believe in a God. Because you know you're going to die, and what is that dependent on? It ain't your mommy, it ain't your daddy, it ain't your spouse, it's not your employer. Where our destiny is, is dependent on God. Right? Why does Jesus have to say, right? Dishonor me in front of people? Well, I'll dishonor you in front of, <laughs> in front of a father one day. I'm not trying to threaten you. I'm just saying a lot of people are religious, and a lot of people have, no, have nothing in their mind about honoring God. It's for purpose. It's for status. It's for money. It's to please people. I see it all the time. Listen, last thing I want to do is sit in a room with a bunch of pastors. A lot of them got a lot of egos, right? I'm just being honest. Here's the deal. Honor God. Everything else, man, it's, it's fading. It's fleeting. Honor God in every decision you make. Honor God with the word of God, not what you think you want God's word to say. What does God's word have to say? Brother or sister comes and talks to you, and with God's word, I have something to say to you. Pause, read God's word. That's our authority. We all get to live by this guidebook. Amen? I say that to you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 28, 14. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens, notice, but whoever, pointing to the person, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Whoever hardens his heart, every issue we face has the potential to harden our heart versus go to God. And he says right here, blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart, you will fall into calamity. So I just point that out to you. Isaiah 66, 2. All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be declared, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. What relationship do you have with God's word? What is God looking for? He who is humble and contrite, humble in spirit, contrite in spirit, and trembles at my word. What do you want today? Did you want me to preach a sermon that makes you feel good about heaven? Hey, tremble at God's word. The beginning of knowledge is fearing God. Today's message is, do we honor God in every stage of our life? Young, old, do we, are we honoring God? Honoring your parents is honoring God. Young ones, right? There's so many things that we honor God by being obedient, even with difficult, challenging people, choosing to forgive versus to give people what they deserve in our mind. There's so many things that honor God by letting God's word be the dictator on how we handle relationships because of what he's done for us on the cross. That's how we approach things. Or we try our best. We're flawed. We're all flawed. But what I'm saying to you is honor God, but tremble at his word. We should not take God's word lightly. A lot of people do. That's why people want to go find preachers that suit them. They preach one verse. There's an hour-long sermon about nothing that had to do with God's word. It's all about 
you are great, you are amazing, you are powerful, you can do anything. Uh, guys, we're worms before God. We have nothing apart from God. Anytime a sermon is about you versus about God, there's a problem. It's about God. It's about our relationship with God. It's about the right understanding of our relationship with God. And I promise you that's going to give you a greater joyous life. Because God is the God of filling our joy and giving us life. And if it's all about you, you are going to train wreck your life. Going from what I want, what I want, what I want, versus letting God be part of God. What do you want? And trusting you that in me saying, what do you want? What are you saying? What does your word say? I'm trembling at your word. I'm obeying you. I'm fearing you. Look at a successful life. You're going to have dips. You're going to have mistakes. But you're going to see God-inspired people who put him at the center, learned how to figure out relationship-wise, because selfish Ben, selfish you, will, will absolutely tank your life. But a humbled, contrite person who lets God's word lead us causes good, godly relationships that doesn't just think about me, 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 I, I, I. I am not here to focus on you, 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 what you want. Honor God. That's what I'm saying to you. Read God's word and say, God, how do I honor you? And you will fear God and things will go well for you. If you hear nothing else from any other preacher ever again, honor God and things will go well for you. Amen? Okay. Nehemiah 1, 11, the thing I was going to point out is he says, who delights to fear your name is what he says. We delight to honor and to have that healthy respect. So my question is to you to take serious. Where is God's honor? What about God's fatherhood? Where is that healthy awe, fear of God? When I read this text, those are the questions that come to my mind. Where is God's honor? What about God's fatherhood? Right? Do you, do you know God your father? Does that matter to you? You got an earthly father, but he is not deciding your eternal future, and he has no say over the rest of your life where it goes. He may be part of it. He may be able to help you. But in terms of things that are those kind of like only God knows, only God knows. And he's your father. And he's asking the question. You honor your father. You honor your master. Why aren't you honoring me? Yet you say, I'm your father. That's the conversation. Where is that healthy awe and fear of God? How do pastors fear man more than God? How do God's people not see through this insanity? Do you want to follow a pastor who is not leading, challenging you to be right with God? And let me be real clear. That pastor, spiritual leader, is not being led by God. They do not actually care about what is best for you. They want to be dictated by who's the power players? Who's the money? What do I need to say to, for self? That's not the job. As God is addressing, go to Malachi right now. Verse 6, chapter 1 through verse 9. And it continues. God puts the blame where it is. Where are the pastors? Where are the guys that I called? You accepted this call. Why aren't you taking serious doing what I asked you to do? He doesn't blame the people. He starts where it starts. Why did you let the people do this? God starts there. Why do we have a country where we don't honor God's word? When God calls sin, sin, why are we saying, no, we don't really think, we don't know. We're not sure about that. I'm really uncomfortable about just saying what God's word says. Why? Because people care more about what people think than what God's word says. 
That is not the job of a pastor. That is not the job. If you came on as a deacon, if you were a Sunday school teacher, you took on a responsibility to preach the word. Preach it unashamedly. Don't worry about it. I didn't write it. Your problem is with God, not me. But here's what God's word says. Get on the boat or get off. He says, lukewarm, I spit out. Stop being lukewarm. Stop wanting eternity in heaven and not a relationship with your father right now who wants you to honor him. Whatever that means, he'll walk with you through. But his word is the authority. He wrote it. He's the Alpha Omega. If I got to change his word, there is no God. If I got to make it fit for 2023, there is no God. I got no hope for you guys. I got nothing else to say to you. I'd rather go figure out and take the skills I got and go make some money, go somewhere else. Because if I got to change the word to make all of you happy, whoever's watching on TV, I might as well quit. I'm not in this for other reasons, so if I believed that, I'd be done with this. It ain't worth it. It's not worth it. But it is worth it because I know God called me. I didn't even grow up in church. No one ever once asked me, what's your dream to be? I want to be a pastor. That was, it was, God literally said, you're going to be a pastor. And I I didn't hear pastor, I heard ministry. I'm calling you to myself. I went to Africa, India, spent three and a half months in both places because I didn't know what that meant. I just knew I'm going to jump in and start doing what you called me to do, God. That, that's just the reality of it. And the second I have to be something I'm not, if this country turns in such a way that pastors can't preach the truth of God's word, I don't need to be a pastor. We'll do underground church. Start meeting at my house. Let's go. I don't care about the title. I don't care about the position. I just want to honor God, and I want to preach his word. His word has changed my life. God's word will change your life but we need to honor him. Amen? Hey, listen, this is a personal sermon because he's talking to me. God's talking to me. And what I'm saying to you is we have a country full of men who have accepted jobs to be pastors, and there's a lot of people, women and men, who teach God's word who don't care what God's word has to say. Or they're afraid of people, so they figure out how to say something rather than just say it. People need truth in their life. God's word is truth. Again, I feel very safe in saying this. I did not write this. It's God's word. Amen? Let God's word speak for itself. Let let it minister to you. And wherever that, like I have a hang up or I have a problem with this, well, that's something I'd be happy to handle with you or talk with you about. But God's word, listen, I I just don't have this mindset of I got to hold on to God and hold on to changing God's word. Either God exists or he doesn't. If his word is so flawed that I can't believe it, I just don't believe in God. He's the Alpha Omega. I'm holding all my hopes for eternity. His, his word better, better be right, because he says it is. He says in the, in the end of Revelation, he says, add anything to this. Take away anything from this, and I'm going to add the plague that you read, read, read in scriptures to you. So it seems as if the authors of the Bible believe this is his authority. And no one's to add or to change or take away. And nobody should be telling you, based on what you say or what you want to hear, what that means. Let God's word speak the truth for itself. Amen? So I say that to you because you already know where I'm going. 2 Timothy 4.3, I am not finishing the sermon today. <laughs> I have three pages. I'm not even out of one. So we're not going to finish all of this today. That's okay. I'm patient. 2 Timothy 4.3 says this, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, 
But having itchy ears, they will accumulate, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Well, I don't know if we need to wait for that time. That time is right now. That time is right now. And listen, I've been harsh, and I've been talking a lot about pastors and myself. But I want to put this on you. If you want teachers who just teach what you want versus them honoring God to help you connect with what his word says for you, that's what you should do. And if that's not what you want, shame on you for trying to puff up or build up a ministry or a person whose goal is not to honor God and teach the truth, who feels so afraid to say, this is what God's word says. I'm sorry, I didn't write it. Shame on us for choosing to have itchy ears and wanting pastors to be something they're not supposed to be. Notice the final verse. He says, but show partiality in your instruction. Don't make a pastor show partiality. This is God's word. We abide by it. It doesn't matter how, how much you give. It doesn't matter if you've been in this church and your family's been in this church for 200 years. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what committee you're on. It doesn't matter. I'm not, that's, this is not going on in this church. I'm simply saying I know this happens. I've, had, I've been in a position when I was a youth pastor, a millionaire basically was like, I own this place. <laughs> it happens. How dare? How dare him? How dare that church? How dare those people? How dare that pastor? That's what I'm saying. We're not, that's not what we're here for. That's not what I'm here. I don't know what you're here for. I'm here to read the book of Malachi. Here's what it says. And whoa, this was a hard week. And what God said very clearly in my heart, what are you here for? Honor me. I'll take care of you. But preach the truth. That's what we need in this country. We have tolerated coward people too long. In our pulpits, in our schools, in our politicians, we created this. We did this. Because we can't stand for nothing. Okay? Stand for things. Expect things. If we're going to church, we expect the word of God to be preached. Don't be offended. God's word. It's God's word. It's not mine. Here's what it says. I feel as much of the weight as you do. And I got to study it all week. Okay? And I walk away from this and I walk away from verse 6 where it says, where is God's honor? What about God's fatherhood? That's what God put in my heart. That one wasn't even added until I ended my sermon. I went back to it and said, I need to say this. God's our father. And I don't get to finish my sermon today, but we're going to hit that pretty hard. He's our father. Why do, we, why do we respect all these other people? Oh, because those people are immediately tied to our financial wealth, our home, our safety. Can we get this right? All of that is actually in God's hands. Okay? Honor God like you would whoever is the most important person that's helping you right now exists. Honor God more than that because God is your Father. Your destiny is in His hands. It starts with God. Honor Him. And He shouldn't even be having this conversation. Isn't that real? He shouldn't even be having this conversation, but we get to read it because He's trying to instruct us the relationship we should have with Him. So I want to encourage you with that. So I'm going to come back to this sermon. I'm going to, I'm going to preset this because I'm going to come back and finish this sermon. But I want you to catch something that I pointed to multiple times in this series. Or, or sorry, when I was reading the text. What was it? I stopped a couple times. Lord of 
All right, let's, t- let's do that one last thing, and, the, and then Jay can come up and we can conclude. And so we, we covered verse 6 today. That being said, Malachi tells us God is the Lord of hosts. In fact, eight times in nine verses, but in 20, 24 times in the whole book, God is called Lord of hosts. That is 43.6% of the phrase in all of the Bible comes from Malachi. So in all the harsh language that Malachi is going to say, he's reminded us, I am the Lord of hosts. God's people, for the time of Malachi, needed to hear, I am the Lord of hosts. When I tell you, priest, be this, do this, or I accuse you of doing this or not doing this, be reminded, I am the Lord of hosts. You tell me why. Look, verse 6, and if I'm a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 8, Will he not be pleased with you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 9, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 10, I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 11, my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 13, what a weariness this is. You say that you are uh, uh, sniff at me, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 13, shall I accept from you, from your hand, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 14, I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts. Host means many great numbers of armies or angels or stars, point being our Father in heaven, has infinite authority in the universe. He deserves your honor. Right? He deserves your honor. And what do, and we do what? Bring to the altar animals with mange, broken legs that, they, that we humans don't even want, as he says. Would you bring this to your governor? The answer is no. Why do you treat me with such disrespect and honor? Folks, this is a tough sermon. Malachi is a tough book. And I come across very passionately. Listen, it's from a place of love. Okay, as the band comes up, it's from a place of love. I love God. I love God's word. I hate what I see in our country. I hate what I see when I, I go through, right now, Christian literature, books, and I go look at them, and I'm like, man, we are trying to promote us, us, me, me, Myself, myself, we are not connecting with what God's word is about. And and it leaves people empty. We have this prosperity gospel. The major churches in our community, and I mean in in, in America, are prosperity gospels. Let me tell you the sickness of prosperity gospel. Telling everybody, God wants you to be whatever that is. Rich, famous, all these things that we in our hearts want. And we say from God's word, yes, that's what God wants for you. Go say that in Africa. Go live in the third largest slum in the world like I did and see one man taking care of 200 kids that are aid orphans because their parents have died, a man with one arm because he's had to literally get an arm chopped off trying to protect a young girl from what was happening. You go live in that side of the world, and instead of telling them God's word, you tell them something that might be absolutely impossible. Because if you go to some of the regions of the world, they will tell you very clearly, please take my child, please take my child, because I know this is a cycle of poverty that's never going to change. Please, what I want, you want to help me, but help my child, is what you hear them begging. Why? Because they know, they know that they want what's best for their kid, and it's not their life, and it's not what's going to be their life. Why am I saying that? How dare that be what we preach instead of what we only can control? Preaching the gospel, the gospel of Christ, he died on the cross, God paid the penalty for your sin, He let his perfect life 
become that potential, if you accept him and believe in him, to become your righteousness because you are not righteous. You have sinned today. You have sinned yesterday. You have sinned in your life. And Jesus Christ said, I paid your penalty. I've made a way for you to be right with me in heaven and right now. Not just in heaven, right now. I've paid that penalty on that cross. That today, an enemy, while you were still an enemy, you could be my friend if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He's made that opportunity. And that's the gospel that everybody needs you to hear because I cannot change your circumstances. I can't. I'm a man. I can pray with you. I can cry with you. I can beg God. I can serve you. I can't change circumstances. We need the truth. We need the gospel. And we need to honor God with our lives. We need to honor his word by teaching it as it is. So people encounter God, not some version of what we're trying to say. Okay? I love you enough to tell you the truth. This week, what are you going to focus on? Are you honoring God? Are you honoring God with the same vigor you honor your parents, your, your boss, whoever it is that you have the most respect in the world for? Give that same vigor, if not more, to God. He deserves it. He deserves it. Amen? Let me pray. Hey, the altar is open. I know there's a lot going on in our church in terms of physical things and just a lot going on. It's open. Anyone can respond however you feel led. Uh, I love you. We're going to be in the Malachi through the summer. I hope it said something to your heart today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that we have the breath to even breathe. Lord, I, I thank you for the fact that we are, we're capable of um, knowing you and knowing your word and being led by your word. Thank you for today and the opportunity to talk about a real subject that needs to be addressed in every church across America. Honoring you, what does that mean? What does that look like? And are we doing it? Are our leaders doing it? God, we, we're, we're in this to honor you. God, this is all about you. It's not about us. It's all about you. So God, as we focus on what does it mean to honor you, where are we not honoring you in our lives right now? I pray that you just make that real simple, Lord. You just tell us. You tell us. Maybe you've been telling us for months, you've been telling us for years, and we're just ignoring you because we don't honor you. I pray that today we really think about, God, we want to honor you. We want to please you. We want our life to be an offering to you. You deserve it. And God, I pray that we focus on that, think about that, feel that, and are led by that, Lord. We love you. We love your word. We love the opportunity we have to be a church. Thank you for loving us. Amen. Thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church Victoria podcast. Please feel free to check us out online at fbcvictoria.org. There you can learn more about us, watch our archived sermons, or even watch our sermons live on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Central Time. Again, that's fbcvictoria.org.